Hello. You've been so patient. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am... Um, oh, did I obey my own rule? <laughs> uh, did everybody turn off their cell phone? <laughs> I hate for people to say that all the time today when we go to programs, but since this is poetry, especially poetry, right? I would love um, if it, for our... Uh, friends here today that will um, silence them now. Anyway, I'm Harriet Lynn, and I cannot tell you how delighted, thrilled I am to be here. Um, this, you know, when people say, oh, it's a journey. Well, this was a journey. <laughs> I'm telling you, this has been a journey, and, and a wonderful one, because I've met so many wonderful people along the way that you'll meet some of them today. Some of them can't be with us today, but some of them are here in this room and have played different parts um, in this uh, process for the Baltimore City Recreation and Parks, um, particularly who has sponsored this program. And if you haven't met already, Joanne Kaysen, the director program coordinator, is sitting in the back there and has been so wonderful in helping to assimilate all of this because um, without it, we couldn't have done it. So thank you, Joanne. I also want to say that um, uh, some of you had heard that the mayor was coming. The mayor was coming. Well, the mayor can't come today. It's, I guess there are other matters more important than poetry. You know, Can you imagine? But she did apologize, and we're very pleased to have Ms. Um, is it Dr. Larry Nunley? Dr. Larry Nunley, who is from the mayor's office, to um, be here in her place and to share remarks. I also want to say that uh, I have some friends um, to thank, too, in the community because when I first wanted to uh, resurrect the Baltimore, uh, Baltimore's Best Poetry Contest uh, that was under Mayor Schaefer's um, era and Florraine Applefeld. Do you remember Florraine Applefeld, some of you? She was terrific, and Florraine, I wish she could be here today. She did too, but she was going to be out of town. And uh, there was, in 1985, my mother, um, Ruth Garbus, uh, was first place winner. So it was, I remember that day. I remember how special um, I felt for her. And she, oh, she'd make light of it. But um, she was like that. But at the same time, I know she's very much um, alive in this room at this moment, even though she's passed, because she adored poetry. She adored literature. And she, if I would say, if she could crawl into a book and live there, that's where she would be. So this was her favorite place, and the Poe Room is so appropriate. And um, so I'm just so glad that the Enoch Pratt Library has opened its arms to us, and it's been so helpful. And um, I just wanted to mention, too, we've recently gone, uh, well, maybe the Enoch Pratt hasn't gone high-tech, but we did with this um, uh, program today. There's a blog, and Ryan O'Grady from the Enoch Pratt, who is here today with us, um, has helped put that together, so about this day and, and this special event. Um, and my mother is up there, so she is um, in a picture there, surrounded by wonderful photographs by Britt Olson Ecker, who is here with us today. Thank you so much, Britt. And her photographs also laced around the wall back by the books as well of her 
images of Baltimore because I think this city is very special to all of us and we all see it in very different perspectives. And so that was what the reason um, when my mother wrote this poem, I Love Baltimore, I thought, ah, if we could get this going again. Okay, Baltimore, my city, my home um, was the theme. And people from City Lit um, and who were ha we are part of the Literary Arts Week and Freefall Baltimore, who are our partners here today helping to um, sponsor us. We want to thank you very much. Melanie, thank you for being here. Um, so we're in for a lot of treats today. Um, I want to say too, right now, you shouldn't be listening to the radio, but um, our poets that you're going to meet and hear from today are um, on the radio, and you can go into WYPR, The Signal, Aaron Hankin on 88.1, and the show was last night, and it's also being, it was uh, started today at 2 o'clock. So this, for those who can't be there, uh, this is wonderful that other people can listen to the poets. Um, I feel that uh, also the beacon, the beacon was wonderful, and I wish I had copies with me today, but the October issue um, was also able to celebrate the poets. We don't celebrate our poets enough. I mean, I just feel that there is the soul of the poet and, and, the liter and the word, the written word, the literary word, the spoken word is so important. And maybe with the technology, there's more and more text, but is there more and more poetry? Maybe I'm caught in the middle there because of my age or what have you. But I'm just glad we can celebrate with our seasoned seniors today, which I am one of. So. Um, but before I introduce our wonderful poetry winners, and I will tell you their names now if you don't know already, our first place winner, Barbara Morrison, Helen Zimkowiak, Kate Richardson, who won't be able to be here today because she's on a wonderful cruise just coming back. So, you know, Kate, I'll be reading for her. And Mary Dozier is here today. So thank you, ladies. Um, I want to thank our judges. Not all of our judges could be here today. As a matter of fact, there's a writer's conference. So our final judge, Shirley Brewer, was um, unable to change her time to be here. But um, fortunately, Miss Morrison was. So this is excellent. But we do have a very special lady who helped me a lot. And uh, Clorinda Harris, maybe you can just Put your hand up and this beautiful lady. And uh, stand up, Clorinda. You're always so beautiful. <laughs> uh, she was so wonderful to, and, and helped me um, find people like Alan Reese, who is also in our audience today. And he's a, also a poet. Um, unfortunately, um, Carla Dupre who was going to be with us today is not able to, but we're going to have a special program by Mr. Tim Singleton, who is um, here from Hokopolitso. How did I get that wrong? Okay, how did I get it right? Hokopolitso, I love that, um, in Howard County. And he's going to um, give a special presentation, as you noticed as you walked in today, about the poet, former Maryland Poet Laureate, Mary, um, Lucille Clifton. Why did I say Mary? Lu Mary's on the name, on my mind. 
Lucille Clifton, who um, some of you may know quite well, maybe some of you don't, but uh, this is really a terrific opportunity to become more familiar. I really do feel that with, as we do get older, and hopefully wiser, um, and with that wisdom and creativity, we get only better. So I'm all here for getting better and better um, and in the creative arts. As I said, uh, unfortunately, um, the mayor can't be with us today, but before I introduce um, Mr. N- Dr. Nunley, I just wanted to, for posterity's sake, give the, uh, just a, a reading of the poem that my mother wrote in 1985 because it just uh, feels so fitting to do so. So, I love Baltimore. I love its streets, its parks, its rainy afternoons when I curl up with that good book that comes from my beloved Pratt. I love its markets where the seafood beckons and its vegetables delight my eye, where the Arabs wander and their calls remind me of my childhood. I love the old brick buildings with their rounded doorways. I love the past, keeping up with the new. But most of all, I love the feeling that this city is my birthplace and all my memories are part of its history. So, thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. And now I'm going to invite Dr. Nunley because he has some special remarks and I so appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you so very much. Um, Unfortunately, as she said earlier, the mayor was unable to be here. I didn't find out about that until uh, actually about 48 hours ago. And we had planned such a marvelous time with her here. And she was really looking forward to it. But unfortunately, do some, do some un- unplanned things have, have uh, come about. And she's dealing with those things at this time. But uh, myself, I, I am the liaison for seniors, veterans, and the Southwest District. You notice I said seniors first. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be a senior. And... Um, the good thing is that before I was a senior, I represented what uh, is now called ne- neglected and abused children in court systems. And in the court system, it tells you that uh, look out for the best interests of the child. Well, I have a wonderful, wonderful job because now I get to look out for the best interests of seniors. And without seniors, there would be no children. And so I'm a double, I'm a double whammy kind of guy. But I wanted to thank you all for allowing me to be here. In looking at this and listening to what you just said, I closed my eyes. And I don't, you know, when the mayor comes, there's talking points and there's all kinds of people that are doing wonderful things for her. I just come from the heart. And when I closed my eyes, I could see everything that she's talked about. And it was such a wonderful feeling that I remembered all the wonderful things that made me who I am and the neighborhoods and the communities. And I'm not from here, but I love Baltimore. You know, I'm from the Midwest where um, people get up in the morning and either do one or two things. They either go to work or go looking for a job. And they speak to each other as they pass by. 
and all those little things that meant so much to each one of us that it just makes you say, ooh, this is a good life. It makes you feel like, man, I should be 17 again and know what I know now. So without further ado, I'd like to read something from the mayor. Uh, could you step up, Harriet? I normally ask for Harriet and Joan. Where's Joanne? Please, come up, Joanne. I don't get lucky enough to stand between two beautiful women. It's, it's okay. <laughs> anyway, let me go forward. The City of Baltimore Certificate of Recognition. On behalf of the citizens of Baltimore, I am pleased to present this certificate to Baltimore City Senior Citizens Poetry Contest. In recognition of your former Maryland poet, Laureate Lucille Clifton, and the seniors who are being celebrated for sharing their creative talent. It is with great excitement that we acknowledge this year's poetry contestants and encourage them to continue to look for ways to excel in the arts and literature. As mayor, I offer this commendation as an expression of my gratitude and for the efforts of everyone involved and making this event a success. Presented this 20th day of October, 2012, Stephanie Wilding Blake, oh, your mayor. That's very sweet. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, dear. Is everything okay? I was, <laughs> I was told once a long time ago, a party's not a party until you break some. So let the party begin. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you so much. So sweet. Lovely, lovely wording there, too. Um, we are here at that special place, the Enoch Pratt Library. And I was thinking that... Um, what are people going to go to in 50 years with everything on a Kindle or, a, you know what I'm saying, electronic? Are they going to have these wonderful, beautiful places to go and um, how it's uh, going to be very different? But we're lucky that we're still here and we have the wonderful Master Poe here with us today. So I... Um, wanted to share with you by those who work here at the Kathleen are you here did she step out ah there she is she was down there Kathleen why don't you come up here a little bit um, and explain to um, what you were telling me about the wonderful poetry programs that you have here because I think it's really important to continue to cultivate and promote and um, poetry, and so they're doing it so well. Let Kathleen tell you. Kathleen, no. um, Neil, that's Neil. okay, though. <laughs> that's quite all right. Um, yes. Well, thank you very much, um, Harriet and Dr. Nunley and Joanne. This is like it's going to be a wonderful afternoon of wonderful poetry, and um, we're really thankful to have to be hosting this today. Um, and Dr. Nunley, your introduction was like a little poem there. I really, you know, about your childhood and growing up, there's, there's a poem there, I feel. Um, but we have a poetry programming group here 
Um, there's about four or five of us, and we've had, it's called Poetry and Conversation, um, and actually Clarinda has been a part of that. We also, she does workshops here, and I think we're planning on that in February of 2013. So that would be something, and there's a sign-up sheet in the back on the desk that if you're interested in receiving any emails about the upcoming programs, workshops that we're going to have, you, you know, we will be sending those regularly to you. And it'll just be on the poetry um, programs. You won't be getting every single thing, so don't, you won't be inundated, if you, you know. Although that if, it would be a good thing too, but, um, <laughs> but you will, we will make sure we just send you those. And also, um, if you go to our website, We've had various other poets, and Clarinda, um, Mary Jo Salter came. Last week we had a program, and this was um, because Judy Cooper also has poet, Poets Come. Michael Collier was here, and um, on our website goes all those programs and readings and question and answer sessions are on a podcast if you'd like to go in and listen to those. Um, so we definitely, um, you know, are going to have more programs coming here. Linda Paston is going to be here on November 14th. Um, so if you can make that, that would be great. Um, and then we have more programs coming up as of January that will usually be there also on the website, but we also have a publication that is on our website, but you can also pick it up at any branch or down here um, at the Central Library, you know, that will tell not only the poetry programs, but all of the other writers' live programs that we have here that are really good. And um, Judy Cooper does a lot with that, and it's wonderful. So there's, you know, a lot here, and this is all, again, on our website, um, www.prattlibrary.org, and um, we would really love it if you'd like to come hear the poets, get involved in the workshops, and um, any other things that are going to be coming up. We're thinking about a poetry discussion group that everyone, you know, would be, everyone would be welcome to come to. So um, that would be wonderful, because we, you know, we love poetry, too. And thank you, Harriet, that poem's on your mother. Wonderful, wonderful. I grew up in Baltimore and I <laughs> Okay, well, we now have the piece de resistance. We are going to invite our, um, we were um, so happy to, um, and it wasn't easy to find the poets, believe me, it was, um, a struggle, and, our, and uh, we um, really appreciate the energy and the seriousness that our judges um, put into this program. And so we're going to invite our first speaker, um, Barbara Morrison, who is going to share with you uh, somewhat a little bit of history about the poem, perhaps. And um, so, Barbara, would you please come up? And uh, thank you so much, our first place winner. And her um, poem was Plight. Hi, this is really a thrill for me to be here. Lucille Clifton was a huge influence on me when I first started writing poetry, so I'm very glad that we're going to have the tribute to her today. I grew up here, and I, I left here in 1968, which was a, a difficult year for Baltimore, and I left thinking, I will never come back. I think many of us have thought that and, like me, ended up back here. So um, I wrote this poem soon after I came back in the early 80s. Um, it seemed to me that Baltimore was on a knife edge. It could get really good or could go way downhill. And I felt that way about my life. You know, I was making some difficult choices and I thought, this could be really great or could be a total disaster. So this is a poem called Plight. 
driving on a deserted road, forgotten when the highway came through, lined with factories dropping bricks into the river, a river that rushes around debris, rocks and branches and bricks and boards. Beyond, the railway embankment rises, dark stones walling up the earth. This is my city, my hometown, my home. A dull gray city morning, but the sun, just up, still hidden by houses and hill, up ahead, before you round the corner, the sun hits the embankment's stones and gleams there, bright enough to hurt or wake you. Thank you. Wonderful poem, yes, thank you. You can really feel that. And you know when you get hit with that light in the morning, if you ever, I know my kitchen light hits me like that. And so I know that feeling, and you captured it so beautifully. Um, We now have a a very special poem about very special, um, well, I don't want to say individual, but it will be explained. Uh, the poem is called Mary Ann, and Helen Zimkowiak, did I do it? Oh, I'm so proud. Hel- Helen will come and share this poem with you, and Helen is our second place winner. Thank you, Helen. I must tell you that my first Pratt Library was Branch 5, which was on Broadway, And even as a little kid, I got permission to take Longfellow out of the adult section because I was in a Hiawatha mode. (laughs) When city parks were a big deal in my family, they were excursions. And going to the zoo, it seemed like an interminable ride on North Avenue and then the long walk in to see the animals. And of course, Always, you went to see the wonderful elephant, Mary Ann, who was in um, a a little enclosure that I don't think would be approved now by any zoo association. And she would stand there stuffing hay into her mouth, and we would stand there and regard her. But one magical day, I saw her outside performing. And this is my poem, Mary Ann. As deftly as a jeweler takes up a gem, with forceps lightly held in steady hand, She skims her trunk along a branch, selects a leaf, removes it neatly by the stem, loops it to her mouth, savors it, then stands, swaying as a dancer might, who is next to leave the wings and spin into the light. Tuesdays and Fridays, precisely at two, in costume, conical hat, ballet clothes, her colors, patriotic, spangled, bright. To martial music, she performs on cue, she lifts a foot, salutes her fans. Breeze blows her trunk-held flag. She curtsies to the crowd on one bent knee as the applause grows loud. Don't go away yet. This poem generated a, a real interest from those who are now, which is now known as the Maryland Zoo, and we're very happy to have Miss Nancy, where is Nancy? Knoppenberger. Yes. There she is. 
um, has come to uh, share something with you today from the Maryland Zoo. So I'm going to let you uh, take it over. Maryland is the, uh, um, Nancy is the CFO, am I correct? I of the zoo. Isn't that lovely? So, yes, Marianne brought you today. <laughs> it's almost hard to believe that Miss Simcariak can remember Marianne. You don't look nearly old enough. But um, we all finally remember Marianne. We do have elephants still. We care for them very differently. We've built them a new enclosure. We have five elephants. And Baltimore treasures its elephants and treasures its poet. And so um, the president, Don Hutchinson, has written you a note in this book, which has photos of the zoo and poetry about the nice. zoo. And we want to thank you for oh, thank recognizing you. our Marianne and bringing, shining a new light on the zoo. Thank you. That's thank lovely. you so much. Didn't I say this was a journey? I mean, it's amazing what's happened. All these wonderful connections. It's Baltimore, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? It's Baltimore. Oh, it's my turn. As I mentioned, um, one of our poets was not able to um, be with us today. They're too bad they're on a wonderful cruise or just coming back from a wonderful cruise, you know, when you go up to the Halifax in Canada and see all the beautiful trees. So um, Kate Richardson won third place, and she said in, on, on her behalf that I can read her poem. And uh, she, I know, she and her husband are recently um, living in Baltimore. They were living on the Eastern Shore area. And uh, we're actually neighbors, we found out. Isn't that interesting? So now I have a new friend. So this is Baltimore Seasons by Kate Richardson. In the east under dark clouds, burly sun glow descends on the Bromo Seltzer Tower. West, tide towards, west side towards Highland Town, a faint half moon inches into a delicate blue sky laced with gauzy clouds. Changing weather in this city, this neighborhood, this block. This evening as the door of Butts and Betty's tavern opens, spilling curses, lotto numbers, and laughter across the street. The bells of Holy Rosary Church begin to chime, counting out the hours, the seasons, the time. So that was Kate's. We have one more very special treat because we only had originally three places and so it was very hard for our poets to make a decision. So a new category was cast upon and we are so happy for an honorable mention that went to Mary Dozier and she is going to read her poem and we thank you so much, and maybe you can share somewhat your story about. Hello. Hi. Good to see you all. Uh, I am an, a Baltimorean, a Baltimorean. <laughs> and my poem was written as an assignment in a creative writing class at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, and so this was probably about 
12 years ago. So I, when I saw the contest, I resurrected my poem. As a, mat, as a matter of fact, there were two poems, so I combined them into one. And I do love Baltimore. It is my city and it is my home. And that's the name of my poem. I grew up in a place where everyone knew your name and face. Our homes were neat all in a row with yards where we'd have flowers grow. Asphalt and concrete our playground with thrills of laughter all around. On wash day, socks and dresses and pants through the warmth of sun would dance. As the sun sets on the June sky, crowded close on marble steps, each exchanging stories of the day's journey, bluebirds gone to their evening's rest, the sound of crickets above the chatter, lightning bugs caught in a jar, having the most made you a star. The sound of a hand slapping a mosquito's bite, the cool air promising a restful night, a youthful gaze at the bright urban stars, bid us retreat to our cocoon, urged by the streetlights that have come to signal our mother's call, kneeling down at the night we pray, thanking God for each new day. Thank you. I want to know, where did the lightning bugs go? Do you remember as a child? Remember they were all over and we would take our... Where did they go? I don't see them anymore. Are they? Oh my gosh, they went out to the Midwest. Oh my gosh. Well, we now have um, a, um, a special moment where... Um, we had talked about earlier, now that you had heard our wonderful poets. And we do have um, some of our poets who um, also participated in the program. And we are so happy that you are here today as well, because we really are celebrating all poets and the love of literature and poetry. But Tim Singleton is going to tell us now about a very special woman who... Um, everyone should know about, and Lucille Clifton is her name. So I'm going to hand it over to Tim. Start over here. Okay. Would you like... Um, I'll, I'll go back and forth. It'll make me less nervous, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, good afternoon, and congratulations to everyone, not just the poets, but everyone in the room who's here on a, Sunday after, a Saturday afternoon for some poetry, all the people that facilitated the contest. The Pratt, I used to work at uh, the Baltimore Sun and two or three times a week I would come over here and pay some time with the books. Love this place. And this is actually the first time I've been in this room, so special treat for me, yes. It reminds me of a play I saw just last night at Center Stage. Uh, and have any of you seen the Poe play yet? Okay, tell me what you think, it's interesting. Um, Good afternoon and congratulations. Let's celebrate what brings us together today. You all, your writing, poetry in general, and of course Baltimore. Let's include a good friend of poetry in our conversation, the great Lucille Clifton. It's wonderful to walk through that hallway and see these 
enormous posters of her, especially the little girl. Um, I hadn't seen that photograph um, until a couple of months ago. Um, and that's just it's a treat. I have to go through and see the rest of the exhibit after this is done. First, by way of introduction, I am Tim Singleton, co-chair of Hoko Polizzo. Everybody? Hoko Polizzo. Um, Hoko Polizzo is the Howard County Poetry and Literature Society. Basically, we exist to bring the great writers of the world, to, that are living writers of the world, to local venues and put them in front of audiences. Our goal is to enrich the community, enrich not just writing lifestyles, but everybody's lifestyles. You know, poets, to my mind, they take language to the edge of what it means to be alive and articulate feelings for us all to share. Um, it's a real treat to get to work with Hoko Polizzo. Um, we not only use chairs and rooms with um, stages, we have a television show called The Writing Life, where when a writer comes to town, we pair them up with another writer, someone comparable, someone that knows something about them, and put them in front of a coffee table. They have a conversation, we record it. Um, the show is on local cable channels. You may have stumbled across it. It's, this may not be the right demographic, but I am approaching your demographic and bringing technology with me, so I will be using um, some technology today. We have just this year launched a YouTube channel to put these television shows out there on the web for people to uh, use, to learn from, to engage in. We have been totally surprised. Since February, we've had over tw or almost 12,000 views of videos from all over the world. It's just, it's, it's marvelous to get to see people engage the work that we've done. Um, we do workshops from time to time. Um, we work with local writers from time to time. It's not just people like Donald Hall or last year we brought Edith Perlman to the Columbia Festival of the Arts. Um, we also put a writer in residence in the Howard County public school system, in the high schools. Um, they work with each of the high schools for about um, an hour session um, and go from school to school to school over the course of the um, school year. I happen to also be the co-publisher of something called Little Patuxent Review. You may have seen Clarence Harris's work in this. This is a regional arts and literary publication. Um, primarily regional writers are featured in here. Come, we come out twice a year. We're themed. Um, you learn the theme from promotion material, visit the website, and then you set down to write and submit something along that theme. Our, our theme window right now is just about to close on November 1st, but um, uh, it's doubt that's the theme. So if you have any doubt poems, get them out, dust them off, send them in. We'd love to see them and maybe include them in our publication. Um, we primarily feature local writers, but we also have the privilege of being partners with Hoko Polizzo. So when their big writers come to town, we tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, can you talk to us for a minute? Um, you get an interview, maybe insight into their writing in an essay, and if we're lucky and the publisher of their work is amenable, we'll feature a selection of their, their work in um, our publication. This is a very special issue. This is our spirituality-themed issue. It features an in-memoriam essay by Susan Hobby Thornton on Lucille Clifton. Um, I, I hope to see writers we are rewarding today in future editions of our magazine. It's a privilege for me to work with both these organizations. A privilege not just because I get to share time with great established writers, but I get to meet new writers in situations like this, engage their work, and hopefully share some resources that uh, we produce with them to help them along their way as a writer. Um, I was perhaps most honored in working with Hoko Polizzo to become a friend and associate of Lucille Clifton. Lucille Clifton, for a couple of decades, was the artistic advisor for the Hoko Pulitzo board. So we got to sit, sit around once a month 
and just chat with Lucille Clifton. Um, who can we bring to town? Who are we interested in? What's the gossip on this writer? What's the gossip on that writer? And then she would share mail that she got from the world over. Uh, you know, Amiri Baraka sent her a postcard. What does it say? Take a look at this. So it was a real treat to be working um, with her for all those years on the Hoko Pulitzo board. Um, when I was asked to do this talk by Carla, who is deeply apologetic for not being here today, um, you know, people are suggesting what I do. Why don't you talk to about how there's this young woman who, against all this adversity, um, had came up and became a world-famous writer, how her dad was a steelworker and didn't really want her writing, how her mother was a, a poet herself but destroyed her work because you know, it wasn't a thing that people did to be poets, you know, how she basically grew up poor, how um, she was, after her husband died, a single mother of five, writing wherever she could in the space of the house, on the ironing board, at the kitchen table, you know, whatever time um, was available to her as a mother of five children. Um, you can imagine that it just didn't exist. When the kids moved out, she said that she would have to turn on multiple radios in the house to make the noise in order to be able to compose. You know, that, that was her environment. Um, me knowing Lucille, having had the chance to see her read, I decided that I really, what I really wanted to do, and because we have this newfangled technology of the internet, I want to share with you her reading a couple of her own works so you get a sense of really who she was, a really dynamic personality. Um, we just got back from the Geraldine R. Dodge Poetry Festival, four days of poetry reading in Newark, New Jersey. An absolute, it's poetry heaven. Um, we used to, you know, all go up there in different cars and eventually we'd run into Lucille somewhere and she would stop whatever she was doing and just pay attention to you. She was this kind of spirit. You were the, it was as if you were the only person that existed in the world. You know, you're there, she's there with Mark Doty, with Donald Hall, with Taha Muhammad Ali, all these world-famous poets, and she stops to talk to little Tim Singleton. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Let me introduce you to Jane Hirschfield. Um, you know, something like that. And she did this with everyone. As soon as she, you know, turned around the next conversation, that was her spirit, and that was, you can get some of that from the reading. So let's start with, won't you celebrate with me, since this is a celebration. This, this darling poem, an autobiography, really, of her coming up as a writer and um, the adversity she faced. Lucille Clifton grew up in western New York near Buffalo, worked as a government clerk and office assistant. Her first book, Good Times, was rated one of the best books of 1969 by the New York Times. Lucille Clifton, who said... One should wish to celebrate more than wish to be celebrated. Won't you celebrate with me when I have shaped into a kind of life? I had no model. Born in Babylon, both non-white and woman, what did I see to be except myself? I made it up. Here, on this bridge between starshine and play, my one hand holding tight my other hand, come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. See, now, I could be reading you a Wikipedia entry of what she did this year, where she went to school, and, you know, her jobs and things like that, but these, 
these videos of her are, they're a treasure. And um, you know, when I was growing up, I had to go to the library to see videotapes of writers and had to find them and look for them. And it really wasn't until, well, <laughs> it really wasn't until um, Bill Moyers started fil filming um, the Dodge Poetry Festival in the late 90s that we had um, a model to see poets read and have them talk in little bits about their work. Um, that is what um, that, that clip comes from, um, the Dodge Poetry Festival from a number of years ago now. Um, the, in the introduction, that was Garrison Keillor's voice. He referred to good times. I couldn't find a video clip of this that's uh, easily accessible, but so I'm going to read it. Good times. My daddy paid the rent, and the insurance man is gone, and the lights is back on. And my uncle Brood has hit for one dollar straight. And they is good times, good times, good times. My mama has made bread and grandpa has come and everybody is drunk and dancing in the kitchen and singing in the kitchen. Oh, these is good times, good times, good times. Oh, children, think about the good times. In this poem, you have a sense of you know, what she's all about, looking at the environment she's in, writing it. And she's, a, she's very gifted at writing short, intense, just perfect um, poems. Um, what is it? I'm way off track on my notes, so I'm not going to find it, but Adrienne Rich said she had um, an unerring ear and a burning mind. She would touch on things that other people weren't writing about, you know, being... Um, non-white and a woman, she didn't really care growing up that she had to write what other people wanted her to write. She wrote about the world and how it exists. Um, she used to say, humans are cute, and you know, kind of loved watching human beings and their behavior and capturing it. Her daughters would um, look at her, and, and you know, after something had gone, and she'd go, are you going to write a poem about that, mommy? Uh, so she was always incorporating everything in her own experience into poems. Um, sometimes there were, you know, joyous celebration of the occasion of family life. Sometimes they were about women's issues. Um, you want to go ahead and do the next poem? Mighty hips. These hips are magic hips. 
I wish she was still here because in person that's even better. It's like an anthem when she reads that to 3,000 people in a Dodge Festival tent. You know, the reaction, the intimacy between her and the audience, especially the women and the men who are starting to hide in their seats. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it was amazing. She's an amazing person, an amazing poet, and hopefully you're getting some of that um, across in these clips. Let's go to the next clip. The next clip, you know, obviously the other theme mentioned in uh, Won't You Celebrate With Me. Um, the non-white theme um, was a big issue for her, giving voice to what it meant to be African-American growing up in America. Um, and here's a very American poem. This, there's two poems on here. We'll just do the first one. One is for a person, a friend, uh, one of my dearest friends, who um, served in the Vietnam War. And this is called What Haunts Him Away. That moment after the bartender refused to serve the dark marine and the three white skinned others just sat there. That moment, before they rose and followed their nappy brother out into the USA, they were willing to die to defend them. You know, she was unapologetic and unabashed about what she wrote about, what she looked at, what she brought to light. Uh, one of my favorite stories, she talks about, um, I know exactly where this was, but um, along the James River in Virginia, you know, there's mansion after mansion after mansion. And she was visiting one mansion, and she's like, uh, you know, they had the cemetery for the family, the people that lived there. She's like, where are the graves of the black people? And, you know, the person goes, I don't know, you know. And she wrote... Um, At the cemetery, Walnut Grove Plantation, South Carolina, 1989. So it's in South Carolina. The South's a big place and was full of racism, not just one state. Among the rocks at Walnut Grove, your silence drumming in my bones. Tell me your names. Nobody mentions slaves, and yet the curious tools shine with your fingerprints. Nobody mentions slaves, but somebody did this work. Who had no guide? No stone who molders under rock. Tell me your names. Tell me your bashful names, and I will testify. The inventory lists ten slaves, but only men were recognized. Among the rocks at Walnut Grove, some of these honored dead were dark. Some of these dark were slaves. Some of these slaves were women. Some of them did this honored work. Tell me your names. Foremothers, brothers, tell me your dishonored names. Here lies, here lies, 
here lies, here lies, here. There's no... There's no way I could read that poem like she delivered it in you know, that Lucille personality. Um, and you can't quite get listening that the location for version of the sound here, you know, pointing the here lies, here lies so-and-so, here lies so-and-so, is replaced by here, this location at the end of the poem. Um, she's a poet who, in language and working with language and things, helped it made, made those, those poems bigger and resonate. Um, I'm going to finish with one poem, uh, more in the spirit of this time of year, and hopefully in the, um, the spirit of Lucille Clifton, which I've been trying to share with you today. Um, actually, I'm going to... Uh, this is what happens when you don't use staplers. Okay, Clifton, who died in, 19, in 2010, left a 45-year legacy of poetry, children's books, and other writings. We haven't talked about her children's books um, today. One of, um, one of those Lucille Clifton stories, she traveled around to do readings a lot. She was in a grade school in the Midwest somewhere, and she asked the librarian why her children's books weren't there. And basically, the librarian's only answer was, because we don't have black kids in this school. And so she brought that up and <laughs> addressed that situation. She was completely unabashed about these things, completely the way people should be when they're calling out injustices, big or small in the world. Um, she's the former Maryland Poet Laureate. She received the Ruth Lilly Prize and the Poetry Society of America's highest honor, the Robert Frost Medal for Distinguished Lifetime Achievement in American Poetry. Recently released is, and I left this on the corner of my desk, otherwise I would probably just open it at page one and start reading you the poems page by page by page. It's such a wonderful collection. It's as big as a telephone book. It's just published. It's the collected works of Lucille Clifton. Um, and it's, every library should have it. Um, and um, Lucille Clifton has left behind her wonderful work, a tremendous legacy for us all to share and learn from. Um, not just as, as writers, but as human beings. She's left something of her spirit in all that knew her and all that learned from her. Hopefully I've introduced you to some of that spirit this afternoon and you'll carry it around with you in your daily life and your appreciation of Baltimore and each other and, in, and just in, in living and in writing. One last poem. It's a very short one. It's called The Lesson of the Falling Leaves. The leaves believe such letting go is love. Such love is faith. Such faith is grace. Such grace is God. I agree with the leaves. Thank you. was a very special Lucille Clifton celebration here at the Pratt. Was anyone here at the, uh, when the um, beautiful exhibit was up? Well, anyway. So Lucille Clifton lives here, too, in the Pratt. And thank you. That was wonderful. I hope um, we all get on YouTube and keep looking up Lucille Clifton because it's... And, and yes... What's the date again? 
Oh, that's coming up soon. Well, let make sure that that literature is available so that we can uh, share that. So, um, I just want to say thank you very much, and we're going to do a little presentation um, to honor not only our um, poets, um, our uh, but those poets. Could you raise your hand who are who were participating in the poetry contest? Oh, look at that. Thank you. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. That is the right spirit. The important thing is that we write and that we keep creating no matter what, you know? I mean, it's very important that, that if that's something that's in us. I know my mother was still working on a poem called A Forest Interrupted. And... Um, Getting that poem, you know, the forest interrupted. And I never got to hear the finish of the poem. But the thing is that she was always somehow thinking about those things. And it was in her. So I want to um, uh, honor our um, recipients here. Um, perhaps our first hour, um, those who are here today. Might, would you come up? Ladies and gentlemen, you may all have a seat. Thank you for posing for that group shot. Sure. I Do just, Dr. Nunley has another word or two for us. I just wanted to say one thing. You know, uh, throughout life, it says many are asked, few are chosen. Look around you. These are the chosen few. People who really get it. Who understand and appreciate exactly what it was to be a child to be loved, to be cared about. You know, it's just a wonderful thing to know that it's still alive. So thank you. I really appreciate it. God bless. Thank you, Dr. Nunley. L Ladies and gentlemen, again, before we, before we close today, of course, we want to thank you all for joining us. We want to thank all of the wonderful poets that we have here in the house. Thank you for sharing with us. Keep writing. Keep doing what you love. We want to thank the Enoch Pratt Free Library for hosting us today in this beautiful Edgar Allan Poe room. Isn't this a gorgeous room? And I just want to take a moment to thank Harriet Lynn, who this has been a, a true labor of love for Harriet. Again, as you all know, you know her mom passed away uh, in the last year or so. And, and her mom was the first winner of the Baltimore's Best Poetry Contest back, again, in the era of, of uh, Mayor William Donald Schaefer. And Harriet really wanted to do this, this poetry contest in honor and in, in memory of her mother. So again, uh, we just want to congratulate her on all of her hard work today. She's done a terrific job. She really has been... She really has been a one-woman operation. She's, she has, she's con with all of her connections in the cultural arts community and the literary arts community, she's contacted all, all, the, all of our wonderful judges who are here with us today, all of her contacts with uh, the media that, that she's put out to spread the word about this contest and really let everyone know about it. 
uh, and, and all of her connections with all of you throughout this whole contest. Again, she has really made it happen, and, and I congratulate her for a, a terrific job. And I'll turn the microphone back over to your MC, Harriet Lynn. Well, this is a wonderful day. It's a very heartfelt day. I hope you feel, you know, a sense, I think we all feel a sense of community here and how that coming together. Um, so let's keep that in our hearts. I want to thank also our partners here, because, um, no, I didn't do it alone, <laughs> but for our Free Fall Baltimore, our um, Greater Baltimore Cultural Alliance who is here. Thank you so much for being here today. And Maryland Arts Council, thank you so much. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, City Lit, um, who has helped us. And of course, the Enoch Pratt Library. And I must say a special, special message from Randy Vega, who has worked so hard in uh, creating the Free Fall Baltimore. There's so many wonderful events during this Arts and Humanities Month. And so they're trying to continue this and they've asked us to uh, share, have you share their thoughts um, with these surveys. And I know it sounds like a downer, but please don't make it a downer. Please, <laughs> please. So we can please uh, Randy because they work so hard for that. And so you can um, just, if you'd be so kind to fill that out before you go, and you can return to me, and um, we'll take your pencils too back. And so I would just want to thank you all for being here carrying the spirit, um, and uh, when you're finished your homework, <laughs> please have something to eat, to drink, and to enjoy and talk with each other. And uh, thank you again. Thank you, Joanne, because it wouldn't have happened without her and her wonderful staff.